peace are yours through Christ our living Savior, brothers and sisters. Amen. In December 1952, London was covered in smog. An unusually cold spell of weather joined up with a stretch of windless days to leave London almost entirely blanketed by smoke and industrial fumes. From a Friday to the following Tuesday, visibility went down to four feet. The street lights of that time weren't powerful enough to cut through, they were useless. The smog crept into theaters and halls to the point that Londoners couldn't see movies or concerts they were attending. The ambulances shut down, they couldn't drive in the fog. At the time, they estimated that the smog caused four to 6,000 deaths just during those five days. And then for months afterward, deaths remained in excess of what statistical models would have predicted. What would you do if you were living through such a situation? Apparently, the people of London were typical Brits, stoic through the whole thing. But what if the smog had remained one more day, one more week, a month? What if the smog had never left? What if this heavy, noxious, blinding miasma had hung over those Londoners for the rest of their lives? In our Old Testament reading, the prophet Isaiah depicts something like that London smog. Isaiah 25, verse 6. The Lord Almighty will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Isaiah speaks of a, a shroud, a heavy cloth sheet draped over the whole world. The picture is not air pollution, but the effect of this picture is the same. Imagine yourself blanketed in the great smog of 1952, or imagine yourself in a thick, heavy sheet that you can't pull off. Either image, you get the same idea. You're trapped. You can't see out. And everyone else in the world is trapped as well. Not only London, Isaiah describes, but the whole earth is blanketed in the oppressive darkness of death. Everyone is affected by it. Everyone lives under the power of death, and no one can see past it. Death is the big question. Death is the ultimate unknowable. But that's not Isaiah's point, is it? When you read those verses from Isaiah, you see that that is not Isaiah's main point. He's not saying, oh, we can't see past death. His main point is, God has destroyed death. God has removed this shroud and junked it. Like the wind that finally came on December 9th, 1952, the Holy Spirit of God has blown away the death fog that once covered us over through the good news of Jesus' resurrection. We know what lies beyond the grave. We know what is waiting for us. Our Savior, Christ Jesus, has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, 2 Timothy 1.10. That's what's waiting for you. Immortality, eternal life, given and guaranteed through Jesus. The Thessalonian Christians needed to hear that message. The Thessalonians didn't know what to do with death in their midst. They didn't know what to think about it. They were a mission congregation founded by the Apostle Paul, formed mostly of Gentile converts to Christianity, with perhaps no prior understanding of Judaism. There were a few Jews belonging to this congregation, people who knew the Old Testament scriptures, but most of the Jewish population of Thessalonica rejected Paul's message when he stopped in their town. After only three weeks, they violently forced Paul and his missionary team out of town. Paul had barely been able to get started in his evangelistic work, let alone settle in to thoroughly instruct the new believers. They knew Jesus was their savior, they had faith in him, but they were afraid because of many questions which had not yet been answered for them. Our text this morning responds to one question they had. What are we to think about the death of Christians? The Thessalonian church needed to hear that message you've heard this morning. They needed to hear God's promises to them about Jesus' victory over death. They needed Paul to share Isaiah 25 with them. They needed to hear that we can and actually do know what's coming after death. They needed the gospel. So Paul shared it with them. He 
pulls back the shroud here in this text. He blows away the smog. He describes exactly what's going to happen to everyone on Judgment Day. Until I started studying this text, I don't know that I had thought about how shocking it really is. Paul is pulling back the curtain on death. This is Paul's Wizard of Oz moment where we see what's behind the curtain and realize how small and powerless it truly is. From verse 15 of the text. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. There it is. There's Oz, the great and terrible revealed. There's death uncloaked. We know exactly what to expect. If we die before Jesus returns, we go to wait with him, triumphant, until he comes back. If we are still alive here when he returns, we will see our loved ones rise and will be caught up to live with them and with Christ forever in the new heavens and new earth. Paul lays all that out for the Thessalonians and ends with this. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's the thought I want us to consider this morning. Encourage one another with these words. The good news that Paul has proclaimed to the Thessalonians in his letter is not something they should leave at the door of church. It's not something only he gets to proclaim as their pastor. The Thessalonians are to take these words out and use them on each other. Two things I want you to note about Paul's statement here. First, reading the Greek text of Paul's letter, he's very emphatic in verse 18 there at the end. Literally, he says, encourage each other with these very words right here. Take exactly what I have said to you out into the world with you, he says so that when death comes calling, you have exactly the right thing to say to those who are hurting. These very words, right here. Now the second thing to note, what exactly is it that Paul says to do with these exact very words right here? The precise word Paul uses is encourage. Everything that he says here, you would maybe think that is an odd word choice. Shouldn't Paul say something like comfort one another or console one another? That's what these verses do for us, isn't it? We're comforted here. We are reminded that death has been defanged, that Christ has won our victory. That's comforting. Encouragement is similar, of course, but it doesn't mean exactly the same thing. Paul says that these words are encouragement. These are words that not only comfort, but animate. These words provoke action, and that's what encouragement is. Thessalonians, Paul says, use these words to animate, to invigorate, to stir up one another, encourage one another with these words, move one another to act. Why would the Thessalonians need encouragement? Well, because it can be very easy to simply stop in the face of death. Death hurts us horribly. Death is unnatural, and when you hear people say death is just a part of life, know that that is not true. Death is definitionally not a part of life. Life is life, and death is death, and death hurts. Death hurts us because it is foreign to the created order. It is an intruder which our sin invited in and which decided to stick around. Jesus wept angry tears in our gospel reading when death intruded into his life and the life of those he loved. And death is, without the gospel proclaimed by Paul here, the ultimate discouragement. Nothing matters if you can't see past the smog. If as far as you can tell, nothing you do here on earth ultimately means anything, if nothing we do individually or as a nation or a species will survive forever, then what's the point? Why not just sit in the pea soup fog and wait for death? It's going to come anyway. But the gospel of Jesus Christ throws all that out. Death is not the end. In fact, for the Christian, death is a non-entity. 
We have crossed over from death to life, our gospel reading last week said. When we die, our bodies stay here, but we immediately are brought to heaven with our Savior. And on that last day, our resurrection will be carried out with that same speed. Death is not only defeated, death is a laughingstock. Jesus can call a man out of his grave for four days after his death as if nothing had happened to Lazarus. And because death has been defeated, we know this. What we do does eternally matter. Not in the sense of earning our eternal life. No, that is a gift that God has given by his grace to us through faith in Jesus. But instead, what we do matters eternally for our neighbor. Sharing this message with someone who does not know it, who is still covered with the shroud of death, can change their eternity. And because sharing this message is not generally the immediate, natural first step in any conversation or relationship, every action leading up to that message can be eternally impactful. Every smile and good morning you give to a coworker, every exchange with a family member, every neighborly interaction with the family next door, all of it can have an eternal impact precisely because death has been defeated forever and because you know about that. That's Paul's encouragement to encouragement for the Thessalonians and for us. Take these very words, treasure them, ponder them, and use them. Use them on one another and use them out in the world where people say things about death being a part of life or in my next life or whatever it might be. No, blow away the smoke, the smog, the fog of death in this world and give people something real rather than all of that. Give them the good news of death defeated, of victory given to us through the resurrection of Jesus. Paul tells the Thessalonians that when Jesus returns, we will be caught up into the clouds to join him. Clouds, fog again, are this very apt metaphor for death. But when you look at the clouds now, with Paul, think of Christ coming. Think of his return. Think of his victorious saints praising him as the dead are raised. You can look at clouds now and see not unknowability and evil, but you can see the door through which Christ will enter our world once more to take us home. Encourage one another with these words, you triumphant saints of God. Amen.